as we move seamlessly into um, our teaching for today, grab your Bibles, or the words will be on the screen. Just a few verses from Exodus chapter 5. Listen now for God's word. Afterwards, Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and said, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Let my people go, so that they may hold a festival to me in the wilderness. Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should obey him and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, and I will not let Israel go. So then Moses and Aaron said, The God of the Hebrews has met with us. Now let us take a three-day journey into the wilderness to offer sacrifices to the Lord our God, or he may strike us with plagues or with his sword. But the king of Egypt said, Moses and Aaron, why are you taking the people away from their labor? Get back to your work. And then Pharaoh said, look, the people of the land are now numerous, and you are stopping them from working. And that same day, Pharaoh gave this order to the slave drivers and overseers in charge of the people. You are no longer to supply the people with straw for making bricks. Let them go and gather their own straw, but require them to make the same number of bricks as before. Don't reduce the quota. They are lazy. And this is why they're crying out. Let us go and sacrifice to our God. Make them work harder for the people so that they may keep working and pay no attention to these lies. And we thank God for his word. Father, speak to us now through your living word and shape us and sanctify us so we may walk deeper with you and live more fully for you. In Jesus' name, amen. So, N.T. Wright, uh, Tom Wright, he shares a story about these three guys. I think I've told you this story before. Uh, a story about three guys working in a quarry, breaking stone, you know, bang, 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 breaking stone, breaking boulders, hard manual physical labor. And, and, and somebody comes along and says to the first guy, what are you doing? He says, I'm breaking stone. I'm breaking stone. I'm quarrying stone. And they go to the second guy. The second guy's doing the same job as the first guy. They go to the second guy and they say, what are you doing? He says, I'm working to feed my family. Different perspective. Then they go to the third guy. The third guy's doing the same job as the first and second guy. And they say to him, what are you doing? He says, I'm helping build a cathedral. You see the difference? How your perspective, how your attitudes shapes everything you do in so many ways. My quiet time this morning, um, I was reading um, and, and Nicky Gumbel, and he posed a question. He said, it's not about how long you live, it's about how you live. It's about how full your life is. It's, about, it's not about the duration, 
but it's about the depth and the quality and the motivation. And I guess that's the question I want to pose this morning just in a couple of minutes before we come to communion. As you think about the work that you do, for some of you it's your pet employment, for others it's how you spend the biggest amount of time during your week. As you think about the work that you do, what is your motivation? How do you see it fitting into the bigger picture of your life? And even beyond that, even onto the new Africa and the vision the guys are sharing with us. You see, in this story in, in, in the Bible, we, we, we see these three groups of people. We've got the Hebrew slaves who've been living in Egypt for 400 years. And for the latter part of that have been working as slaves. They've been driven by, by whips and sticks and harsh words. Driven to, to build, driven to make bricks. They've been oppressed. They've been uh, enslaved. They've experienced genocide. They've had their rights stripped away. They work seven days a week. And now, when they ask the question about having space to worship, that oppression gets accelerated. And they're told, do you know what? We still want you to make the same number of bricks. Just now, we're not going to give you the raw materials. We want you to get up earlier in the morning. Go find your own straw to make the mortar for the bricks that you're going to build. And at the end of the day, you still have to have provided the same number of bricks, the same quantity of bricks. Literally, what we see in these Hebrew people who are enslaved, literally what we see is that they are working to live. They are working to live. They, they are working so that they can guarantee their most basic survival. And as the vixen, as Trinity shared part of their story, did you hear the ripples of that in the early part, nine years old, going out on the streets, trying to, to sell drugs and, and, and do whatever they could just to survive, working to live, just to eke it out. And, and maybe for you, some of you today, your attitude to work is that you work to live, you live for the weekend. Uh, it's just a job. It's just how I make money. I hate my job. I just do it so I can earn, so I can. We say it all the time. Maybe some of us, that's our attitude. We work to live. Compare that to the Egyptians. We, we believe we're not certain, but we believe that the pharaoh at the time was Ramesses II. This guy was, uh, he was a megalomaniac. He was ambitious. He was driven. This guy, he, he, he built cities under his reign. He built the city of Pithom. He built the city of On. He built the city of Ramesses and called it after himself. It's like me starting a town and calling it Gareth. Anyone want to live in Gareth? <laughs> Interesting, isn't it? He named it after himself. He was such an egomaniac, creating a name for himself everywhere he went. What was interesting with it, though, was he used the Hebrew slaves to build for him. So they're the ones that built these cities under his rule, under his oppression. Um, he put statues in these cities of his face so everyone would know who he was. He became Pharaoh when he was a teenager. He, he lived till he was 90 and he reigned fiercely through that whole time. 
His whole identity was tied up in the mantra, live to work. So you see the Hebrew slaves working to live. You see Pharaoh living to work. His ego was tied up in what he could create and what he could do and the name that he would make for himself. His success, his joy, his completeness was all tied to what he could achieve. And for so many today, for so many today, we see that um, as a heart posture with their work that they do. There's no degree of separation between who you are and, and the work that you do. You live to work. When you introduce yourself to someone, you say your name, and then you say your career, your job. Ministers are the worst at it. There's no degree of separation between who we are and what we do sometimes. It's not healthy. It's not healthy. Our, our mood is tied to how successful we are in work because we carry the emotional energy of that home with us. And then you see Moses. Then you see Moses. And, and remember, Moses is this prophetic picture of Jesus. He's a, he's a historical character. He's real. But his life points to who Jesus is and what Jesus is going to do. They both spent time in the wilderness. Moses spent 40 years. Jesus spent 40 days. They both, ex both experienced temptation. Jesus stood strong under temptation. Moses gave in to temptation. They were both commissioned by the voice of God. Moses at the burning bush. Jesus at his baptism. This is my son whom I love with him I am well pleased. And they were both sent with a similar purpose to, to free people from oppression. Moses pointed us to a sacrificial lamb, and, and we'll come to that part of the story in a few weeks. Jesus became the sacrificial lamb whose blood is what takes away your sin and my sin. And Moses went before Pharaoh, risking his life, and he said, let my people go. God says, let my people go. And he told Pharaoh to stop oppressing them because he wanted to bring freedom and liberation. Jesus came to do the same thing, but instead of saying the words, he opened his arms on the cross, and he died. He became the sacrificial lamb who takes away the sin of the world. And here's the question this morning. When Jesus died on the cross, he died to free you and to free me from a life of sin and consequence. For some of you, that's all you need to hear this morning. You have an invitation to forgiveness. You have an invitation to be forgiven for the brokenness, the sin, the emptiness in your life. That's why Jesus came. That's why he died. He came to free us from our sin. But, but tied in with that, he also came to free us from a life of, of meaninglessness, a life of selfishness, selfishness, and a life of purposelessness. He came to free us from our selfishness that drives us to live to work. 
And he came to free us from meaninglessness and purposelessness that tells us we simply work to live. We just exist. You see, what I see in Scripture and what we're discovering in this series that we're in at the minute as we look at the ministry of Moses, as Christians, the Holy Spirit invites us to discover our purpose pre-fall. By that I mean when God created the world, when He created the Garden of Eden, when He created Adam and Eve, He created them with a purpose. He created you, He created me with a purpose. And sin has got in the way of that and wrecked that and destroyed that. But as we discover Jesus, as we bring Him into our lives, as we experience forgiveness, we also discover a renewed purpose. The same one that God gave to Adam and Eve right at the very start. You see, when Adam was put in the garden, God said to him, I want you to name the animals. I want you to enter in to, to, to creating something that's not there. These animals didn't have names until Adam named them. God for six days has been creating, and then he invites Adam to partner with him to create. What if the work that we do, the nine to five Monday to Friday jobs that we do, are actually meant to be partnership with God to release God's purposes into the world? What if we're meant to partner with God as artists and teachers and town planners and graphic designers and musicians, and we're meant to partner with God to create beauty and to create life and to create opportunity, to create things that weren't there before, that allow God's purposes to flourish? What if when He sends you into work tomorrow, that's what He's sending you to do? Not just to to make a living, not just to design that thing in the computer, but to partner with him to release God's purposes into the world. God told Adam and Eve, I want you to fill the earth and subdue it. I want you to bring order to my creation in every part of it. What if we get to partner with God as gardeners, as solicitors, as bankers, as cleaners, as baristas to create environments of hope? to create environments where life can flourish, to create environments where people can can discover and find the opportunities they need to grow into the men and women that God is calling them to be? What if the job that God has given you is actually an invitation to to encounter God and to discover more of God, but, but also to partner with God to release His care, His purposes, and His hope into a broken world? Not working to live, not living to work, but beginning to see the work that we do as partnership with God to release hope into the world. Trinity, the vixen, thank you so much for coming and sharing your journey, your story, but also the hope that you have. It's the same hope that we have as well. We start life in different countries and different places, but our calling, our invitation that we have from God is the same. To put our life in God's hands as we step into work tomorrow and say, God, how can you use me in this place? 
to release life and to release hope and to release opportunity, Jesus, in your name and for your glory. Amen. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, as we prepare now to come to this table, our prayer is that you open our eyes. Open our eyes, Lord, to to the reality of what you are still doing in this world. Open our eyes to what you are doing in the very places where we will be working tomorrow, Lord. Open our eyes to your presence with us as we gather around this table. Open our eyes, Lord, to... Open our eyes to the depth of the forgiveness that you bring to us. And we thank you. We thank you for your sacrifice, Lord Jesus. We thank you that you loved us enough to die for us, to offer to forgive us. Come now, Holy Spirit, and work your forgiveness out in the hearts and lives of every single person here. In Jesus' name, amen.